In a very short time, we've been forced to reevaluate our values. Values related to employment, family, and home. As we come out of two history-making pandemic years, connecting with others is more important than ever. But it's safe to say that the way we can and want to connect has changed. We are not-for-profit professionals supporting adults to live, work, and grow in a rapidly changing world. Connection means that we need to work together to build and put into practice whole and multifaceted plans for our clients so that they can reach their own personal successes. For some of us, life is returning to pre-pandemic norms where we work out of an office on a set schedule. Others may have no office to return to and may spend working hours on a couch or kitchen table in their own home. And some may be straddling schedules where they sometimes go to the office and sometimes work in their own personal space. These experiences are the same for our clients who are navigating a world that is still deciding what work life will look like. How can we support them while adapting ourselves? Whoever and wherever you are, if you support adults in learning in life, the Getting Connected podcast may be for you. Join us as we talk through relevant topics that support you to do your best work. Grab a coffee, give us just a few minutes of your workday, and let's connect. Welcome to the Getting Connected podcast. I'm Ashley Hoth-Murray, and I'm here with my incomparable co-host, Gay Douglas. How's it going, Gay? I'm having a really great day today, Ashley, and I hope everyone in our audience is as well, and our special guest today. Um, Ashley, uh, why don't you tell folks what to expect? Yeah, uh, I'm just going to provide a little bit of a refresher for our listeners, uh, just about who Gay and I are. So we are the co-executive directors of Literacy Link Niagara. Our job is to support local adult literacy programs through information sharing and collaborative opportunities so that they can provide consistent quality service to adults that are looking to upgrade their skills. Uh, They want to upgrade their skills to prepare for employment, education, and life. And we're one of 16 regional networks across the province of Ontario who provide these services. Uh, We're known as a support organization. But there are other types of adult literacy support orgs in the Employment Ontario system, one of which we refer to as STREAMS. And STREAMS offer four different types of programming, Anglophone, Deaf, Francophone, and Indigenous. And each of these streams has its own support organizations. So today we're gonna dive into the Indigenous stream and how it supports learners to reach their goals. Wonderful context for uh, my opportunity to introduce to you uh, Ganala Dalaha, who uh, many of us know as Michelle Davis, Uh, the Executive Director of the Ontario Native Literacy Coalition. Um, Michelle uh, is a very kind person who has been coaching me on the proper uh, pronunciation, and maybe by the end of this session, I will try it again uh, in respect for that name. Uh, Michelle is from the Turtle Clan of the Oneida Nation at Ashwikan of the Grand River Reserve. Uh, Michelle has a very strong history in both childcare um, and um, adult learning. She's got a BA in childcare work 
from the University of Victoria. She's got a bachelor's of education and a master's of ed from Brock University with a certificate in indigenous governance of public administration, University of Victoria. Michelle, you and I are gonna to have to talk about governance at uh, some time in the future. I think that'd be a fascinating conversation. Uh, so Michelle has been CEO at the Ontario Native Literacy Coalition, and I know it's going to come up as an acronym throughout this conversation, so I will use it now, the ONLC. She's been there to, since 2013, so coming up on her 10th anniversary. Uh, what I learned about Michelle is she's a retired secondary school teacher and has taught in Indigenous Language Immersion School in both Ontario and in BC. So we are really looking forward to our conversation with you today, Michelle. And how is your day going? It's going incomparable. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. That might be a theme. That might be a theme. We're having an incomparable day today. Difficult to compare to any others. <laughs> Well, well we're gorgeous out today. Like it's, I think it's spring now. The sun's shining and it's beautiful. Yes, it really feels like it's finally arrived, doesn't it? It does. And my grass is saying the same thing. <laughs> Cut <so> me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I think many of us are looking out the window and wishing we were out there cutting the grass or needing to cut that grass today. Well, Michelle, we have a couple of questions that we sort of formulated to begin our conversation, uh, but we know that this conversation has already gone uh, in territory we hadn't necessarily expected it to. So that's part of the joy of doing a podcast. So it's going to be my pleasure to uh, ask you the first couple of questions. And, you know, I've been around the literacy and basic skills world now for 25 years myself. And we've heard a lot about Indigenous literacy, but perhaps we need a really clear definition. No one has really defined that for me with any clarity. So if you could... Um, tell us your perception, your experience, your definition of in um, it's, uh, I looked at at this and and thought, you know, there's probably a huge like definition that I could put into it but the one that I came up with was um, like the indigenous literacy is is all-encompassing. ONLC's philosophy utilizes a holistic approach so to expand upon this we're not just focusing on um, academic upgrading or the in intellectual side but the whole person. So we look at the emotional, physical, spiritual, and, and the intellectual or the mental. Um, they're all aspects of a person that make up a person, and all those aspects are interconnected and interrelated. So you can't just take one area uh, and think that you're working with that person. So we take the whole person so because success in one area affects all the other 
areas of their life. So that holistic approach is, is how we look at a, a person. And all of those things have to be somewhat in balance in, in order for a person to um, you know, be successful in life. So that's basically um, my definition anyway. Right, right. And that is, that is, uh, that does tend to be a different approach from the other streams. Yeah. I think that it's important for our, um, like that approach to be um, maybe looked at in other streams too, because like so many extenuating circumstances, um, you know, come into play in one person. Right, right. Switch, so. Now, from my experience with many of the Indigenous programs here in Niagara, and I've been aware of others, there's, there's a cultural context to the learning too, which can you speak to that a little? Well, I think that, um, again, when we're, we approach that, um, that person as a whole person, and we look at all of the aspects of that individual, um, then we're not just looking at like academic upgrading because when they, um, you know, that they succeed in, in academics, but they're maybe they're not um, well connected or anything like that to their, their culture, then, you know, you don't see, there's no balance there. So we also try to incorporate like the cultural components to it, such as our spiritual aspects, like within our language, there's, there's um, a lot of the culture that, that can come through. Um, like some of the, um, you know, the medicine, um, looking after one's physical self and going out into nature and things like that. And I know sometimes it's difficult within the city, but um, you can find it and, and that appreciation for that. Um, you I know, see that. yourself. Right. Um, that's interesting. So the, the cultural components and the cultural relevance become part of the holistic approach to supporting the overall learner. It has to, I think, because we, you know, like I said, I, in the, in my um, definition, we have to look at the whole person and you're not just made up of, you know, like as much as we'd like to appreciate that, like all brain, um, we're not just made up of that. We have an emotional side, we have a spiritual side, we have a physical side. Um, so all of those components are, are a part of who we are and we have to um, approach a person like mm -hmm. with that with that respect and that mm -hmm. in mind and that leads to probably you know heightened success in terms of me meeting the overall needs and, and goals of your learners well we've had some very good success in the last few years um, um, and our our data reflect that, I guess, so. Um, Good. Interesting, very interesting. 
Uh, I think one of the strengths of our literacy and basic skills system is the diversity and uh, the, the wide variety of approaches that people take. Mm -hmm. um, Michelle, I'm just wondering, like, why is it important to prioritize Indigenous literacy? Like you talked about, um, obviously, supporting the learner as a whole, but in terms of the, the system, why is it important that we continue to push and, and talk and build awareness for Indigenous literacy? Well, that's a big can of worms, <laughs> <laughs> especially in this day and age. Um, it's, I think it's time to put our people first. Like, um, you know, historically where um, there were some wrongs done um, and right now they're, they're trying to um, bring those to the forefront and to, to rectify some of the wrongs. Um, so me, like being in the first Indigenous CEO of ONLC, um, which blows my mind since we've been around for like 38 years or something like that. Wow. Um, and I've only been here 10 years. So if you think about it, there's been a non-Indigenous CEO for like over half of the existence of ONLC. Wow. So, um, but with me, I think that we need to put our people first and in our, our, um, our programs, like I really stress that people are first, like in a, in our philosophy and using our philosophy. Um, we're the fastest growing and untapped population yet to be realized in Canada. Um, their contributions alone would add billions of dollars to the Ontario economy and reduce the burgeoning social services, health and justice costs in Ontario. Um, just to look at the indigenous inmates um, is a commonly known and grossly overrepresented in indigenous or in jails in Canada. Yeah. Like in 2019, 40% of the Justice Department budget was spent on Indigenous inmates. That should speak for itself. Absolutely. Those of us in the literacy field know that 70% of those involved in the justice system have very poor literacy skills and that they're not being adequately or effectively addressed. So, um, like level three is the minimum literacy requirement for competing in today's economy and creating opportunity for change in people's lives. 48% of Ontarians are below level three. Last year, ONLC did a research project and discovered that there are um, numerous programs in the Anglophone stream that serve 100% Indigenous clients. Other colleagues have told me that they have waiting lists with a large number of those being Indigenous. Um, a recent study in Manitoba entitled, um, what's it called? Uh, I just read it. Uh, Adult Education in Manitoba um, unearthed 
this buried treasure. They stated that placing indigenous needs and values at the forefront of adult education could be a central part of reconciliation. Now that reconciliation is like is a really big word that um, and it has so much meaning. So when you talk about prioritizing indigenous literacy, I think that would be a definite great start um, because um, you know reconciliation. We got to start like in the 21st century, and they're just starting with that now. And and you know what's like um, happening within the media every day. You find they're finding more and more injustices on yeah. earth. Um, and, you know, like Justice Marie St. Clair stated that education got us into this mess and education will get it out. That, so, I think that just says that's the perfect answer to why it is important to prioritize Indigenous literacy. What a statement. Yes. Yeah. So who is your typical learner in an Indigenous literacy program? Well, also in, in the, right in the middle of COVID, the COVID shutdown, we had done a, a research project looking for um, our student profile. So in 2021, we did this student profile study and found our learners to be pretty much across the board. Um, but a few surprises came through that we like predominantly have female between the ages of 25 and 44 years. Um, lots of them single mothers. Um, and which was very interesting is that a lot of them have a goal path of either employment, secondary school, um, finishing their secondary school, or even aspiring for post-secondary, um, which kind of blows my mind because um, when I first started 10 years ago, the predominant goal path was um, independence. And now they're aspiring to finish high school and to go on to post-secondary, which is very exciting to me. Um, Absolutely. And we, and we have 30% non-Indigenous. Um, and then when we broke that down um, further, it is um, a lot of the non-Indigenous are the new um, newcomers to Canada. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I think that we create a family atmosphere and a community. And, and I think that's pretty exciting because um, they feel comfortable enough to come into our program. Um, and, you know, what a better, better way to learn about us than joining right in with us. So, <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's a really important um, piece to identify is that you know, those learners who are non-Indigenous, like they can fit really well into a program. And I know over the years, we've made several referrals because, you know, a lot of the local Indigenous programs that we're referring to, they, they do have that family, that holistic, that support 
um, that an environment that maybe isn't felt uh, somewhere else. And, and it really does fit a, a specific type of learner who, you know, who wants to be surrounded so that they can be successful. And, and the, the holistic, I think, is the word that always comes to mind for me um, when I think of Indigenous literacy. Mm-hmm. Michelle, I want, this wasn't included in our, in our initial questions, but I do want to talk about Turtles Back Publishing because I think this is something uh, that maybe our listeners don't know uh, that's p- part of the ONLC. Uh, can you tell us just a little bit about Turtles Back Publishing and the type of resources that uh, are created? Well, we took over Turtles, or um, previously it was Nguakwe Learning Press. Um, they dissolved about three years ago, and um, ONLC took it on, took on the publishing area. Um, and started Turtle Fat Publishing. So they're housed here with us. They're a division of ONLC. And I guess you could call them our social enterprise because they're doing exceptionally well. Um, we've had, they during COVID, we published um, two books that won International Book Awards, um, a Boa and in memory of feast. Goa is a reader that's quite thick. It started out as a tiny little resource um, for, um, and it's about lacrosse, um, that one of our students started as a summer job. Um, and then it turned into a great big book of, um, I think 440 pages or something like that. And, and it won a, International Book Award. Um, and then we also we wanted to approach uh, the residential school issue, but we didn't want to do a heavy, heavy book because there's too many um, heavy books about residential school. So we, we did In Memory of Feast. And uh, both books looked at like interviewing from an Indigenous perspective because both books were done by Indigenous writers. They were published by us who are an indigenous organization. And we actually um, did printing um, with some of them for the, um, by an indigenous printer. So the whole um, aspect of of Turtles Back um, Publishing is that it's created to promote an indigenous awareness. And so we're trying to always have Indigenous writers tell their story or Indigenous content um, being told like in an authentic way. So we have curriculum, we have um, again, novels and, and this year we published a, a graphic novel actually that's coming out. Um, which I'm pretty excited about. And I, I'm hoping it's another award winner um, because they're doing like some really beautiful stuff. Um, they've done some language curriculum um, and they also are doing things from the indigenous perspective on things like preparing for 
uh, you know, like food handlers and things like that. But with, uh, so all of these things were created, um, the curriculum um, is created by indigenous people, indigenous teachers um, to give it that indigenous flavor and understanding too, so. Um, yeah, I, I have a question related because I've I've looked at um, some of the like the great work that's on your website through Turtles Back, and obviously it's not all in in English. So when we talk about Indigenous literacy, like what does language look like in, in those programs, or what can it look like? Because you know, there's it, I imagine that different programs look different in different places where an Anglophone program probably looks very similar uh, in different parts of the, the province? Well, um, just, you know, like if you're looking at the holistic, go back to our original question about the, um, the definition of Indigenous literacy, it, it includes our languages because so many of our people don't have their language, which so much of our culture is embedded in our language. So in our, our publishing, we're trying to um, publish as many languages as we can. And in fact, we've developed um, one that is like fairly close to being extinct, the Wyandotte language. Um, and they're just small introductions to the language itself. So we have Anishinaabe and we have Cree and we have um, the Haudenosaunee languages. Um, and, you know, like we're looking at, at other languages throughout the, uh, the province as well, because um, if you're indigenous, that's, and you don't know anything about or who you are, just know that you're indigenous, then the language is the first place to go looking for who you are. Mm -hmm. um, that's a cultural component. And that's part of our literacy. Um, and that's our obligation as, as an indigenous stream is to help those people to understand who they are, um, you know, and, and where they come from. And then like, you know, the sky's the limit because I think that once you have an understanding of who you are, um, you can achieve anything. Interesting, really interesting, Michelle. And I've not forgotten that that line that you used. I think that's going to stay with me for a long time. I'll be repeating it to others about the. It started with education, and not that we end it with education, but we 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 consider the future. <laughs> and the, the potential of education changing, yeah. changing people's perceptions and people's lives. Yeah. It's very powerful. I, I have, I won't forget that. Um, believe me, that's, that's really been a great learning. It's been one of the benefits of these podcasts. I'm sure for Ashley and myself is the additional learning and getting to know people in a, in a really in a really different way than we might when we are in a formal meeting setting. So this has really been helpful. Now I do have one final question and 
We love to end our podcasts with a little bit of a fuzzy question, a little uh, ambiguous question, or let's just call it a broad question um, that we ask ask our guests to uh, answer. And the question is, um, when you consider uh, your knowledge of the field and your expertise and what you utilize most in terms of the work you do, what is the one tool or resource or approach or learning uh, that you wish people knew about and used more? What's the sort of secret mm. element that you'd like more people to know about? You know, I pondered that question. Um, I'm thinking, okay, it's in the digital world. We're in the metaverse now. Um, and I was um, thinking, okay, maybe a computer or, or, you know, like, and then it was none of those things. One of the greatest tools um, that I, I wish people used more with compassion and respect. It's free. Yeah. It's easy to apply anywhere, whether you're in the classroom or in your daily lives. Like it's a guaranteed motivator. It prepares students for long-term success in all aspects of their lives. And best of all, it's contagious. <sighs> Thank you so much. Compassion and respect. Appreciate that, Michelle. Yeah, I feel well, you like- you can't go wrong. <laughs> no. We have a lot of quotables today. Yeah, we've learned some really- We can walk away from and, and use as quotes. I think that's- Good learning cool. anywhere, right, Michelle? <laughs> Absolutely, let's put a plug in. <laughs> yeah, good learning anywhere. Anyway, Michelle, thanks so much for highlighting the value and the uniqueness of Indigenous literacy. And if you want to know more about Indigenous literacy options in Ontario and check out Turtles Back Publishing, please visit www.onlc.ca and we'll make sure that we put that link in our show notes. Thank you for listening, listener, and we look forward to getting connected with you next time. Mm -hmm.